This week's episode of Laser Time is brought to you by Audible. And you listeners right now can go to audibletrial.com slash lasertime and get a free audiobook along with a 30-day free trial of the Audible service. up you hockey pucks it's laser time and that's the best way i could possibly intro the subject of this week's exciting episode of laser time the internet's seventh leading pop culture show hi i'm chris antista uh, i'm miserable governor's performer dave rudden <laughs> and i'm heckler henry gilbert. heckler henry, henry gilbert get off the stage that's fantastic um but today we're going to be talking about slash comedy docs slash our favorite new and old comedy docs Slash an interview with Neil Berkeley, the director of a fantastic documentary on Gilbert Godfrey. As well as Harmontown. Yeah, that's out now on iTunes and Amazon Video and I think coming to Hulu on December 29th. It was really weird to see it in theaters that it starts with the Hulu logo because they're the producers of it. But it's just something I really, really enjoy seeing now is a profile on a single comedian or a single moment. It's Mm. much better it's much more satisfying than a biopic. Oh, I love it so much. And there ha- I feel like I haven't seen many at the beginning of the year, but I know we can point to some that we've seen throughout the year. But to do one on Gilbert Godfrey, I keep saying it's the guy you didn't know you wanted to know more about yeah. because you've known him forever, but you know nothing about <laughs> yeah. Gilbert Godfrey. Absolutely nothing. Like, he lets you into his life so much. And, and Neil worked really hard to get into there too and uh you and if you don't know who gilbert godfrey is i assure you do because here i have a clip of him from aladdin playing the parodiago then the daughter starts licking out the father's asshole then the father shits on the floor the mother shits on the floor the dog pisses and shits on the floor they all jump down into the shit and piss and come and they start fucking and sucking each other yeah. Oh, Iago, you're the living end. Uh, but you cut it off right before he said, Jafar! Jafar! I love Gilbert Godfrey. He's been in a ton of my favorite movies. Always a small part. Yeah. Uh, Problem Child. I'm not kidding. I love Problem Child and Hot so, to Trot. And, he, yeah. and he's in both of those. Beverly Hills Cop 2. Uh, Iago. And he he's had such an amazing life. And I don't know. I just don't think anybody knows anything about him. It was such an interesting choice for Neil to do a portrait on him, mm-hmm. but it's he did he previously did Harmontown, mm-hmm. which is another uh, look at someone like that. And I think I put it on my favorite of 2015. If you haven't seen it, it's on Netflix. Bobcat Goldthwait's Call Me Lucky. Yes, that's a great one too. Because that yeah. that's the only one I think would have made for a good, like fictionalized movie. It hurts. Though, it does. It does, but it has a great lucky. story about mm-hmm. a comedian who all these other touched the lives of all these other comedians. You might not have heard of them, but then he didn't just succeed in comedy he succeeded in government by mm. helping us create laws to punish pedophiles on the internet and it's, <laughs> i love that scene of the, the the aol guy going like we have a three strike policy he's like i, I think you should have one strike I think pedophiles should have no strikes <laughs> yeah. what are you doing and that you even i even forget about how aol made all that money mm. on people oh, starting yeah. these groups to allow them to circulate things and sell them bandwidth and they were literally profiting off pedophiles and and turning a blind eye to it yeah and, and it's know, barry crimmins did i say his mm, name the, no, no it's yeah. called call me lucky and it's about the comedian barry crimmins a very funny dude you get to see him do a little stand up in there you know one of my favorites is the joan rivers documentary mm-hmm. because they they filmed it like must have been within two years of her death mm-hmm. so you're getting like the end 
end of her career, but you're seeing how hard she worked. How she like the scene of her looking at her empty calendar. She's like, I got to fill this calendar yeah. up. I got to do it. And and just her love of filthiness mm-hmm. too in it is so much fun. It's, like, it's yeah. actually very similar to Gilbert's yeah. stuff because they're both people who like. I don't know. Most entertainers don't. We see. We can see them all the time on their Twitters and mm. the Facebooks and the special features. And but they don't. These they live in New York. There there is a bunch of old areas of New York that Gilbert and Joan navigate through. That's mm. just really cool to see. Yeah, and Joan's uh, Joan's manager in the film is mm-hmm. great too. And mm-hmm. also, there's. I feel like now the only problem with watching it would be seeing the um the parts where she's on Celebrity Apprentice that mm-hmm. are in the oh, movie. Boy. I'm like, yeah, because. <laughs> She she only did it because she wanted her daughter to be on it, and then mm-hmm. they fire her daughter in like the first episode, and she's trapped on this show she didn't want to be on <laughs> that she's too good for, honestly. Like, uh, but Gilbert, oh, that's what I wanted. Gilbert Godfrey, I was like, well, what has he done lately? I haven't seen him a lot. I hope he's working. And you look at his IMDb, and like he's in fifteen things this year, <laughs> and maybe you haven't seen it. And this was the most shocking voice. Uh, that I heard from that he is now. Holy insects! Kneel before the genius of Krang's subprime! What? Greatest Krang spy in all of Dimension X! The discovery of the lair was a vital component needed to launch full scale invasion! Destroy the turtles! Wipe up the lair! That's Gilbert great. Godfrey is the new voice of it's Krang Subprime, and I don't he's, know enough about the new Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle the show. Nickelodeon Krang. He's yeah. the wow. Nickelodeon Krang, and it's, it's like perfect role for him. It's like that, that shouldn't work. I'm like, it totally yeah. works. Krang sounded stupid as hell back. Then. But he's now, not saying jokes. Yeah. He's, he's, he's just, just saying this drawing that turtle. What great now casting. I'm picturing him leaving that recording session with a handful of Ninja Turtle action figures. <laughs> oh, that's for later. <laughs> Sorry. Um, uh, but yeah, like I don't know. There's a bunch of. I feel like there used to be a bunch of them in the dawn of like streaming media. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. Well, I Am Comic was a really good one. I Am Comic is great. It's because you follow... It's about the craft of stand-up comedy, Mm -hmm. but it's also built around uh, one, like former popular comic who's trying to get back on stage Mm -hmm. and so it's you've get it has a nice backbone to it another one i really like is uh well it was a mini series on comedy central but also a movie the comedians of comedy oh yeah just seeing the tour (laughs) of these indie comics maria bamford zach galifianakis before he became a huge star it was before all the brian became mega stars yeah it's just uh, you get to see them buy comic books yeah. like it's Brian like, and Brian and Patton buying comic books on and then Wednesday feeling shame they're like look it's new comic book day we're so excited and they're comparing comic books and then Patton becomes aware of the camera he's like I look like the saddest man <laughs> in the world filming a regrettably like over the top gay sketch in their hotel room that, like, what the yeah. fuck did we do last night that yeah it's so weird like so much good stuff is on the special features like delete weird deleted scenes like there's that and a joke that I use with with some of my friends all the time where Zach is talking about like leaving like a seven eleven or something uh-huh. with I think Patton and one of the guys standing outside the seven eleven call says two pussies. Two pussies. And then and then Zach asks, like, if there were like five of us, would he go ten pussies? <laughs> Uh, God damn it! Because I don't know why I, I bought that. And DVD. then they, yeah, there's like well, we're it's two discs. Yeah, and I I remember like there's a shot in the documentary where like they someone asked Patton like who are you, what new comedians <laughs> do you like 
And he said on the special features, like, I didn't have a good answer and I do now. And he has stand-up from all these people. I'm like, what a fucking cool thing yeah, to do awesome. to showcase, like, ten comedians on the so- bonus disc. Yeah, and they also, yeah, there's that weird uh, jerk-off in a hotel yes. scene. Brian Boston gets covered like a mayonnaise right. jar full of cum. Yeah. So. <laughs> Henry, you didn't gag. <laughs> uh, and while it's but also I, I, was, I love that, just sorry, because it's like, that is the hotel that is two blocks away from my apartment. <laughs> I know that for sure. Well, I also love that Maria Bamford is... Like she's having fun, but she's also like, you guys are such like gross boys, <laughs> and and I I especially love when they're at the end of the thing that she has to say like, uh, hey, I'm joking, I sound like a pussy, but this was really was one of my favorite thing ever, but I actually do mean this was one of my favorite yeah. things ever, and uh, and another one I really like actually was Conan's I uh, can't stop. I I wanted yes, I want definitely wanted to mention that one because like Harmontown. It it's mo- the most like Harmontown because you caught this prolific person in the middle of a low point, yeah. pro- a low point, but a real a willy wonty like yeah. you don't know what's going to happen to this person. Mm-hmm. And granted, by the time we usually see these docs, we know yeah. where those people are and how they shake out. But that Conan doc is really good because he doesn't come off bad or mean, mm-hmm. but he's clearly fucking stressed, like stressed out completely. He's just been fired from NBC. He can't appear on television. He's trying to pay his whole crew by traveling around the country. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and I was so honored that my... he made them move to L.A. for hmm. him. Like, yeah. yeah. Or yeah. he offered to let them move to L.A. for him. Yeah. yeah it's it's such an insane... And all these docs, I don't know what it is with their rights. I know they're all super indie. Mm-hmm. And they, they will go on streaming services. This is like all over YouTube. Yeah. Um, and One of my favorite bits... Conan O'Brien it, Can't Stop is what it's called, right? Yeah. In, in Can't Stop, one of my favorite bits is when he they're filming... They're at his house filming things they'll play during mm-hmm. his shows, and one is him as an executive who canceled him, and he says like, "I can't." He's like, "I can't make this seem obvious to be one person. I have to make it seem like one of two people." <laughs> he's making it I, so clear. It's like this is an NBC executive who fucked me. This is who I'm pretending. I mean, to be. if you're a Conan nerd like I, because one, I I saw the show here, so mm. I get to see like how that show was created, the behind the scenes of getting there. Um, but I'm a big Conan nerd. I grew up with the show. Mm-hmm. And Jack McBrayer, who I think is one of the funniest sitcom characters of the last two decades mm-hmm. as Kenneth on 30 Rock, he just he played the page on Conan all the time <laughs> or little wiener characters. So, he, But in the doc, he's a big star and he's coming to be the celebrity guest for the live show and Conan clearly knows him and he falls into this like bullying act with Jack McBrayer and is like literally poking him. Yeah, he makes him dance. He's like, dance, dance. And he just, you see him, you see Conan get disgusted with himself. He's like, he just says like under his breath, like, dude, stand up for yourself. Jesus (laughs) Christ. Um, Uh, Oh, another one I wanted to mention was, uh, well, I mean, you played the clip mm -hmm. from the aristocrats Mm -hmm. or his aristocrats joke. And that's a great documentary that really is just, it's just it's 80% just filming people saying the most disgusting jokes they could think of but then it's also just the discussion of what comedy is and what and they talk to Jim they talk to Drew Carey then they'll talk to Sarah Silverman I just got it the clip I got it from I forget like South Park made a Aristocrats joke for the movie movie. I forgot that yeah and for for, to 
to weirdly oh, keep going about aristocrats is really well fun. i love in aristocrats it even almost i think caused a lawsuit because sarah silverman told the story her aristocrats joke was that she was on the uh joe uh, i'm losing it yeah too. he was it was a joke, joe franklin joe franklin oh yeah that she was on a joe franklin show and just ends it by saying joe franklin raped my and, but then they cut to joe franklin so yeah. which makes it even funnier <laughs> i think he had threatened to sue her he didn't but, i wanted uh, to see this doc so bad and i was still living in tallahassee florida mm-hmm. um this is me segueing mm-hmm. so i don't want to interrupt anybody <laughs> but but i was visiting new york my buddy's like you want to go to new york i'm like i've always wanted to be mm-hmm. see the big city i'll save yeah, up my money for city. months and i did I, it, was, <laughs> it took it was really expensive to fly out of tallahassee and the second i get there like the aristocrats is playing in mm-hmm. times square and i'm like this isn't coming to tallahassee <laughs> it never will and i had to convince my friend to avoid other tourist things like we're going yeah to an <laughs> AMC movie theater in Times Square and seeing the aristocrats. And I'm booked because I was reminded of that because I just got back there from Thanksgiving mm. where I visited the Comedy Cellar. And I've been, and I went there, I've been there before, but like how small, and why these docs are so cool because, you know, there's something glamorous about stand-up comedy, at least from my mm. perspective. Mm-hmm. But like, that is such a small club. You've seen it on Louis, which mm. is still, he's still all over the place. Yeah. Uh, yeah. He, he's a very important part of that place, but it's such a rinky dink, small venue. We just come on. It's like the stage is about twice the size of the table. We have our microphones on <laughs> and it's just mm. Todd Berry, microbiglia, come on up. Mm. And <laughs> wow, this is where standup has happened and still happens for like 20 years for like 40 years in Dave, you brought up a comedian. Yes, uh, which yeah was the Jerry you know, your Long Island brother. Yeah, uh, Jerry Seinfeld making his big comeback after the TV show well, Seinfeld. That, I, that's when it was pointed out to me. I think because Jerry Seinfeld left the most popular show in the world while it was still on, yeah. and went to go back and do stand up. Whereas most people acknowledge, like you're not supposed to do stand up yeah. again. This is back. Yeah, you the, were doing stand up to get a TV show. Now yeah. you don't have to do it. Yeah. That's that's the trajectory. Tim Allen doesn't do stand up. Yeah. Uh, mm. And then they even talk about that a little bit in uh, in in Gilbert, where it's yeah. like when you're. Yeah, Seinfeld went back to comedy because it's all he does. Mm-hmm. It's like it's in his DNA to do comedy. And I, I yeah. his new special is shot at the Comedy Cellar yeah. as as like a celebration of this little medium. This weird, yeah. this weird, the, this and wrestling are like the last two vestiges of yeah. Carney and vaudeville. This <laughs> may have been one of the first comedy documentaries. Well, I, I ever saw. It was I that I thought. And yeah, it's weird because half of the movie is Jerry Seinfeld's return, mm-hmm. and then half of the movie is this other guy. I always forget his name. Orny Adams. Orny Adams. Who actually does get work nowadays, but I think for a while after that, it was like, what, did, what, whatever happened to that guy from comedian? It's weird. He he showcases a good comedian, but very ambitious and uh, yeah, boisterous. It's, yeah, it's weird because it's like a and kind of unlikable a subject matter where it's like, yeah, there's Seinfeld who you can't help but love, mm-hmm. and then this guy who's like, why isn't he I should be Seinfeld? For me? And it's like, <laughs> dude. You're, you know who you're sharing this movie with Seinfeld. But anyway, uh, I, another reason this movie is like really dear to me mm-hmm. is because I think around the time I was doing, I saw this documentary. I was trying stand up. Mm-hmm. Uh, I did a stand up class and then did a couple performances at a club called Governor's Comedy uh, on Long Island in Levittown, mm-hmm. and it's actually called out in the movie in the worst way possible. And I shared a clip uh, of that very scene in the movie. Yeah, maybe we'll even go out to miserable governors out in Levittown. That's really Alabama. Long Island, baby! It's everything you hate about yourself. You see staring right back at you. Everything you tried not to be, but you know deep down still are. Does that, how does that hit you now, Dave? Uh, I mean, it's crazy because I've been in that room he's standing in during this scene. And yeah, it's like... <laughs> 
It's a tough crowd, I guess. What defined also, part of your life Jerry Seinfeld defines as the worst part of his yes, life. Yes, <laughs> and also, like, I mean, I've seen some great comedians mm-hmm. at, at, at Governors. And, yeah, mm-hmm. sometimes the crowds can suck. Like, mm-hmm. you know, I had a couple hecklers when I when I was there. You got heckled? I got heckled, oh, yeah. Man. yeah. Uh, but Henry and I did stand-up, but there, was, there wasn't a big enough crowd to be heckled no, by anyone. No, really. Yeah, that he finds it miserable. It's a it, it's a good com. It's a, it's an okay comedy club in a terrible spot. Like it's in a shopping center, mm-hmm. like an old drink eating shopping center, but in the back of it. <laughs> so so like, you hear like par- trucks parking. Pretty much, it's kind of in that area. There's actually yeah. a little bit more because the reason that he finds it miserable is because like this is a guy on a comeback tour. Everyone's dying to see Jerry Seinfeld. Yeah. Like holy shit, did you hear Jerry Seinfeld's doing a spot at you know the. Uh, at, at the broker at, local, at our or, local mini mall yeah at, at a local comedy place and he goes into uh, governors and then this happens <laughs> nice lively audience oh, oh, this limo driver and uh what did you hear when I stopped at one point and how many people are talking how well do you have to do before someone's gonna fucking listen up? You know, who? How big do you fucking have to be? How, what kind of material do you have to have that you're gonna pay attention? Shut up! Oh my god! Uh, I forgot yeah. all about that. It's one thing to hear Jerry Seinfeld just say "fuck." Like yeah, I'm glad we got that on mic. Yeah. Oh, Jesus, it's, it's beautiful. The like it's, like a, it's a, a, Jerry Seinfeld. Yeah. What are you doing? I think it's like a bridal shower party. Like went there. Like let's go see a comedy show. And it's like oh, we should plug. Don't our- stop talking to each other. Once like. A comedian's on stage. That's time for you to shut up. One of our previous episodes that was really popular was stand-up comedians shutting down yeah. hecklers from a year or so ago. We'll link yeah. that at the bottom of this page on LaserTimePodcast.com. Uh, well, mentioning hecklers, that mm. is another... It's it's actually Wait, a doc well, I hate. One, oh. one last thing on this, because oh, yeah. everybody forgets about the ending of the doc. I and do. wants yeah. to think forget about the ending of this doc. Because you remember how it's structured? Like, uh, Jerry, like Orny Adams up. is trying to build himself up as a comic. Jerry's trying... He, he, did, a, he did a special for... HBO called I'm telling you for the last yeah, time yeah, yeah, yeah. and I love how it opens with like George Carlin and Jay Leno and mm-hmm. Richard Belzer at a funeral for his old material because <laughs> yeah. it's the last time and it's him building new material and he's struggling mm. and he's talking you get to see him talking like Colin Quinn and Chris mm. Rock and, and he's like you know who you need to talk to and he becomes the sacred person that you have to talk to at the end of the movie okay. you still don't remember this is it Louis C.K.? it's oh. worse Bill Cosby. Henry is Bill Cosby. It is absolutely Bill Cosby. He is the ending of the movie. 16 years ago, that meant something different. Just before the show, put a drink in every (laughs) seat. All right, all right. (laughs) Sorry, Henry, you were just going to talk about Heckler? Yes, Heckler. I fucking hate that doc, but I've watched it twice. I love hate it. It's a half good documentary. I will watch it. Uh, I'll watch it happily, but hate that half the time. So Heckler is a film by Jamie Kennedy Mm -hmm. that is sort of about what comedians think of hecklers mm-hmm. but then the last like act of it or half even it's him him being mad that people gave him bad reviews yeah. and saying and basically but saying he tape of destroying a, a, but yet has shows is, tape yeah. of his reviews and like this was justified yes you you make bad movies <laughs> there he he has a couple people in the movie that you're like oh these bad reviews silenced an artist like this mm-hmm. guy hasn't made a movie since he got a bad I just, review I it's hate like, that the vessel was Jamie Kennedy yeah. Jamie Kennedy is the absolute wrong person to be like time to talk about art me Jamie Kennedy <laughs> and, and there's also bits of the movie where it's like he's doing stand-up i'm like i would heckle you too this sucks <laughs> and he's and like in most cases he's berating the audience yeah. yes <laughs> yeah that that 
that Activision press conference he did. It's yeah. Like, that is the most heckleable performance ever made. Yeah. And it's because Jamie Kennedy feels like an actor who thought he could do stand-up just because yeah. he's famous. And I, and I wonder, like, yeah, all the interview subjects in that movie, would they have, like, agreed if he told them, like, hey, the second half of this is me confronting my, reviews yeah. which are not heckles yeah which but i in the movie though there's some really good stuff in it like i like paul f Tompkins mm-hmm. is is one of the best talking heads in it no it's totally worth watching and, and he films people who like they fucking bomb mm-hmm. he has people in the movie there's a guy who i i forget him because i don't think he's famous but he tells us like terrible joke about like why everybody see that movie ray it's a black guy who plays music they all do that right <laughs> right right and everybody's like boo rightly so that's a shitty joke but perhaps perhaps i to close this out and segue into an, an, a little clip because we will be talking uh with uh neil berkeley about his new movie gilbert which is fantastic you can find out more at gilbertmovie.com i think mm-hmm. coming to hulu the 29th totally check it out um but my f- absolute I don't know the way I described it. I may have described it on bonus time. And after this, we're going to play a clip from our, our show bonus time, which we usually only give out to patrons at patreon.com slash laser time, where we talked about two new comedy documentaries, the wonderful Jim and Andy about mm-hmm. Jim Carrey uh, playing Andy Kaufman and the Dana Carvey show. It's called, Oh, what was it called? Too, uh, too, too funny to fail. Too funny to fail. <laughs> the story of the people who are amazing behind the Dana Carvey show. Yeah, both those docs. I'm not on those bonus time clips. Mm-hmm. I just want to say I love both those docs. Mm-hmm. Like especially, they got close to everybody I wanted to hear from for the Dana Carvey. <laughs> and doc. the one guy they didn't. It's like okay, that's fine. <laughs> wow, in so this like, current environment, you were better <laughs> off to not get that guy. Yeah, uh, but but I I don't know if I described it on bonus time, but I was Mystery Science Theater 3000 was the greatest thing I'd ever seen. I was mm-hmm. into comedy muppets and <laughs> old sci-fi movies and i go to my grandparents house they have a, sh- a channel called comedy central and it's showing this beautiful thing and that's the only time i can see it every thanksgiving i go to my grandparents house in ocala <laughs> florida and wa- and they're playing nothing but mystery science Theater All day long. It's, it's it was beautiful. great when they finally added the channel to our town i waited in line like concert tickets <laughs> and my dad waited with me we got a cable box for dollar fifty we got comedy central bravo sci-fi channel and encore now finally on Tallahassee's cable and the first thing that was on that morning was the documentary I'm from Hollywood yeah and it I want I want to it's I watched that movie so many times and it's directed by Andy Kaufman's girlfriend who also is behind the camera I believe for all of Jim and Andy's yeah I mean uh, that was the, the woman that um the whole Courtney Love, Courtney played. Love played in the film Lynn, I forget her last name but um it I love that documentary so much and it forever it was on YouTube for free and it's mm-hmm. now scattered in different pieces Memphis Tennessee <laughs> and that's the exact clip I got yeah. it's about Andy Kaufman and if you're a wrestling fan Jerry Lawler mm-hmm. uh, the king of Memphis wrestling um, and the feud they started and oh, did people know the behind the scenes of wrestling that no one well if you watch if you watch the unedited Letterman mm-hmm. clip Mm-hmm. Letterman does ask him a question like a lot of people are saying this is fake or that you're working with mm-hmm. him behind the scenes and then Jerry Lawler says I wouldn't have coffee with this guy for free like so there definitely were people saying look this is an act yeah right? like and- if, if you went on I don't know Colbert peddling a wrestling beef mm-hmm. no one would ask you if it was fake but yeah this means people didn't know and Andy yeah. Kaufman's a beloved sitcom star a very beloved character and then he starts appearing on Memphis television doing this hmm. Classic. I want you people to watch closely this tape that Andy Kaufman sent in. Then I got some else to say. Can we watch this? Let's roll it now and take it. Mr. Lawler, I've heard all these things you've been saying about me on television. You want to wrestle me? You want (laughs) to wrestle me, my emphasis style? All right, fine. 
I'm not afraid of you, Mr. Lawler, because let me tell you something. True, I only wrestle women, but I've wrestled women that are a lot bigger and stronger than you. Matter of fact, they're probably smarter than you because you don't have any brains. You're from Memphis, Tennessee. All you do is plow the fields and farm and the farm and the... Uh, is that how you talk from Memphis, Tennessee, Mr. Lawler? Boo. See, Mr. Lawler, you don't have any brains. I, Hollywood, I have the brains. That's how I win my matches. I say the bigger they come, the harder they fall. Then that, he, yeah. I wanted to play uh, that clip. I have the brains. That's yeah, what Jim Hollywood. Carrey does to the real yeah. Jerry Lawler yes. in the movie, <laughs> mystifying Jerry Lawler. Yeah, this played so much during the early days of it Comedy did. Central, where it's mm -hmm. like, that Andy always Andy always dreamed of wrestling song is like stuck in I my found head forever. It. I found oh, it, and beautiful. we will come into the next segment with it. I encourage you to check the uh, bonus time more often by becoming a patron at the five dollar level, patreon.com slash laser time. And after that brief discussion on those two brand new documentaries, we are gonna talk to Neil Berkeley about Gilbert. A fantastic new movie. You can get on iTunes, Amazon, and coming to Hulu December 29th. So stay tuned, folks. Andy always dreamed of wrestling. He could see himself in the ring With bulging biceps and an evil sneer I shouldn't have to tell you right now, Audible is the leading place for premium audio entertainment. Exclusive shows, audio books, radio dramas, anything you can enjoy with earbuds, Audible is leading the charge. Now they've got almost 200,000 audio books for you to enjoy right now, but one of my favorite things, and if you're liking this episode, are comedian biographies, almost always read by that comedian, such as Amy Poehler's Yes Please, Norm MacDonald's Based on a True Story, colon, a memoir, meaning fake, Oh, and look at that, the man of the hour, Gilbert Godfrey's Rubber Balls and Liquor. You can get any of those free just by going to audibletrial.com slash laser time and trying out the service for 30 days. What do you got to lose? Is the world of today getting you down? Well, then why not check in on some of the good stuff that happened this week in movies, TV, games, and more 30, 20, and 10 years ago this very week with our show 302010. Here's a clip from 2007. <laughs> No, one's bald, one's in a boat, and they're both unconscious. Jerry Seinfeld, <laughs> DreamWorks, B-Movie. Jesus, B-Movie. How is it like, Jerry Seinfeld's done like three things since Seinfeld well, ended, and this is one of them. Have you seen this? No. This movie is really weird. I've only ever watched this movie sped up every time the word B is said. <laughs> I, I was trying to find part yeah. of that clip. I was, I was Me gonna say, too! I was going to say, when you edit this, can you speed it up every time we say B-Movie? B, B, B. Jump into the past with 302010 every Thursday on lasertimepodcast.com or iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts. Five, four, three, two, one. Um, but just a fantastic fucking movie, and I wish I could say more about it. I can say more about is the two docs I watched because they were so good. I also watched both. So good, Jim and Andy, and um, Jim and Andy. Too funny to fail. Those. Yeah, it's got a terrible title. Too big to fail. Yeah, it's a both have terrible. Jim and Andy: Colon the Great Beyond with an obligatory, contractually obligated appearance by Tony Clifton. Yeah, or I think it's his mention of Tony Clifton. I think it's even more sillier than that. Jim and Andy, the first movie ever in the history of me living here, I think. That I watched twice in one weekend. Wow. And you watched I'm, it twice. I mean, I threw it on just because, like, I'm gonna play Mario. I finished it and then walked here. 
Oh, did I you? I watched it just now before I came. I, I, the second it came out, I watched it before Punisher. Yeah. Um, I was like, oh, I'm not going to be able to watch it, and then you pushed the recording back, and I <laughs> turned it on and did other stuff. I want to, I want to, um, want to find a clip from this trailer. We might have to cut around it. I was looking at the ocean, and that's the moment when Andy came back to make his movie. Hello. What happened after was out of my control. Andy, that's enough, perfect. I don't like it. I want to do one more. Andy felt it was necessary to stay in the character. He's exactly the way Andy was. It's totally surreal. This crazy <laughs> melodrama started happening all over the place. Dude, got like, it's lightly the story of Jim Carrey. It's the story of Jim Carrey getting possessed by a dead man. But it, it, it it's more than because like. it's it's this behind the scenes footage that Universal suppressed uh, that wouldn't allow release. They, I just love that they they were shooting it for a press kit mm-hmm. and they're like, this is all unusable <laughs> because you're an asshole throughout mm-hmm. this whole thing. Being shot by uh, his girlfriend uh, by by Lynn Andy Kaufman's, Andy Kaufman's girlfriend. girlfriend who made that awesome. Andy the Wrestler documentary. Oh, cool. yeah, uh, she's that. the director of that. And it's Ooh, really? I fucking love that movie. I've wanted to watch that for a while. Oh, I didn't it's know she so made it. good. It's so good. And uh I I, that, and I was trying to tell my girlfriend like that had, I lined up like concert tickets to get a cable box that played Comedy Central because I could only see it at my grandparents' house. But because I love Mystery Science Theater 2000 and SNL, the first thing that was on, like that 8 a.m. morning when I got my cable box waiting outside Comcast with my dad mm. was the Andy wrestling documentary. Uh, and like mm. And then they kept playing Andy Kaufman documentaries and like, this is the best. And then mm-hmm. Bill Hicks documentaries, like this is the best <laughs> channel ever made. But Andy Kaufman, an amazing comedian, you probably know who he is, right? We don't have to explain who Andy Kaufman is. If you don't know who he is, then, but I think a lot of people know his iconography. Mm-hmm. Like they know a guy on a, from SNL clips singing to the Mighty Mouse theme. That or Letterman or the wrestling, but just the wrestling, yeah. a guy who was a comedian and performed in comedic venues, but did anti-comedy hmm. In a way that I don't think anybody else has done ever since, or at least not on a mainstream level. Yeah, the closest is like Steve Martin, and even his is not similar to that much at all. Mm-hmm. But he was an an anti comedian to a lot of people. At least he broke boundaries and, and did something yeah, new. Yeah, like just that he. I, I love talking about it just because, like, oh, he got on stage and read The Great Gatsby. And, like, could you imagine if you paid for a ticket for that? <laughs> I'd be so pissed. But, like, I get to laugh. It's funny in a different way now because I'm laughing at the audience's pain the balls to do it mm-hmm. and then you have this Jim Carrey mm-hmm. obsessed with Andy Kaufman get, finally gets the chance to play him in the most unremarkable biopic of all time Man on the Moon yeah. not good not bad it's just yeah, it's right. just there it's fine it's, I haven't watched it since I was like 13 I watched it like 40 it, times it is one of like and it was during a stretch where Jim Carrey was like please give me an Oscar please mm-hmm. yeah, I just I just did the Truman Show, but and now I'm doing this biopic, and I really got into character. Please, that's, that's what the the movie's about. I love that clip they show him on our. Oh, the that way clip the way Jim Carrey talks about Andy Kaufman, like he, when he's doing the woman's wrestling thing, it's because his comedy isn't funny. Mm-hmm. So Andy Kaufman, he's not anti SJW, mm-hmm. but he notices there's a wave of feminism. And he says, I'm going to tap into that mm-hmm. in the way nobody in the world would <laughs> by wrestling villain. women, been yeah. playing the villain. And then he got into real wrestling. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and he's like, so then I got inspired one night to try that on Arsenio Hall during the fucking Los Angeles riots, the Rodney King. <laughs> and they show a clip from him on our city where he's pretending to be hammered. And it, but he's also Jim Carrey and like, it's impossible for a human yeah. being to be this cartoonishly yeah. hammered. Mm-hmm. But he calls Arsenio a black bastard and pretends to take a swing at him. He and says that thing right after that's real rough. He says he does. This, this is where Reginald Denny, yeah. the white, he, uh, and he's like, uh, yeah. 
and, he, and he's like, I go backstage and my management is just like, I think it's over. Yeah. He this, says, this, like, he's this like is before leaning. Ace Ventura yeah. and like during In Living Color. He's like, I don't think we're going to survive this. And hmm. Jim Carrey says, and that's what every day for Andy was. Every time he went out on a talk show, mm-hmm. he did something that it's not supposed to make you <laughs> laugh. It's yeah. supposed to make you weirded out. Mm-hmm. Risked his career every single time. So he's, we are aware of the current state of Jim Carrey, right? Yeah. Yeah. Is it Zen? Henry posited that it's. It sounds more like depression. Yeah. Or suicidal. I think it's a bunch of. Well, I mean, he may have provided drugs that uh, got a wo- woman killed. I forget. I don't. I don't know the story exactly, yeah. but it's like yeah. That having that on your mind would yeah. definitely fuck you up. He totally. also helped uh, propagate the anti-vax movement, yeah. which sucks. Mm-hmm. That one of the you know I know, but it, I, genius. Did I that. blame Jenny McCarthy more for that, mm-hmm. and I have yeah, me too. I have sympathy for people who have autistic children who are just desperate for answers. Mm-hmm. That's because I also watched the <laughs> Night of Too Many Stars, and which has way too oh. many cryy moments about autism about, yeah, in the middle of this comedy. Uh, so give some money to that yeah. shit the next program because that was fucking a great another great thing yeah. that I got to do while playing Galaxy it was or <laughs> Odyssey it was wonderful uh, but yeah Jim I don't know we were first time we watched it we were really high mm-hmm. and my girlfriend hated it <laughs> the description to Grimm he hated the concept of Jim and Andy which is this behind the scenes footage mixed with now Jim Carrey talking very existentially. It's, it's transfixing how articulate he is. I could have watched that for hours. Him sitting there it, staring at the camera. Yeah, it's it like just even how he ends it is like you know, guys, I'm kind of tapped out on talking about this mm-hmm. now. Can I go? And he just smiles he's, at he's the camera, taking the microphone off, and he's like, "That was we talked about some deep shit or whatever he said." Like, yeah, and he's just like, "Yeah," and it's <laughs> it's it's weird because I mean, as, as a half a performer <laughs> and a content person, I understand Jim Carrey. He makes a point like you know, every you're so great in everything you role you step into he's like do you have any idea who i actually am I'm like i guess i don't <laughs> that's why we all loved you when in the in the 90s whenever you were on a talk show it was like this is going to be insane yeah you're mm-hmm. going to throw something you're going to do an impression i've never heard yeah i don't have any idea who you are Remember or what you you're about the movie awards? Like, yeah, yeah. With a beard on as it, it, it was during the andy kaufman period yeah. he went in in, in character mm-hmm. as someone from the 70s and <laughs> Yeah, and then we see. I think we're now seeing who Jim Carrey is, and it's kind of weird because yeah. <laughs> he doesn't care. He talks about like his dad being depressed and like constantly needed to entertain people. Like I love the way he he talked about that. Like, what is my job to make everybody as fast as possible free from concern? Mm-hmm. That's how he described being yeah. a comic. And like, yeah, that is what you do. You're instantly like you disarm my anxiety that's what Jim Carrey did for me in probably the most depressing weird pubescent time of my life which is why I, you know, deep love for Jim Carrey yeah. this yeah. doc is fucking nuts you would love it Dave for the Lawler shit yeah no I mean I keep meaning to watch it because the, Law- well, the Lawler shit is like because I've heard people talk about this that's a big chunk of it too it is I've heard, I've heard people talk behind the scenes like but in like hushed tones like oh man that shoot uh, let's hmm. just say Jim was in character hmm. And he is, the whole time he is in character as either Andy and even more obnoxiously as Tony Clifton. Yeah. And if he's not in Tony oh, Clifton yeah. makeup, he has a bag over his head. And there's a clip from the trailers of him trying to drive a car like that <laughs> and crashing it. The only um, time he like breaks character is when he's playing Jim Carrey playing Andy Kaufman yes. playing Jim Carrey at the Playboy Mansion, which is like crazy. Yes. That whole segment is or, nuts. Or the final reveal. Because I'm like, he looks like he's breaking character here. Yeah. And then there's a final reveal like... The last scene in it. Wow, that was like the an scene excellent we saw, joke. We saw that scene yeah, before, in the trailer, and, and then they show it again, but with a little bit more yeah, at the end of it. Yes, that's, oh like, man, that, that destroyed me. But my girlfriend, Grim, read my description. Is like, I don't want to watch some narcissistic method performance. <laughs> 
I'm like, no, it's a little different than that, it's especially if you like Jim Carrey. And, and Heidi he was... He believes in what's happening. Heidi was like, this is a work. I'm like, what? He's like, this is all of this. This whole mm-hmm. documentary is a work by Jim Carrey. Heidi uses wrestling terminology Carrey. when... Oh, no, that's what I want. <laughs> but the, the wrestling stuff, because that's what's so confusing, because you feel so bad for Jerry Lawler. Because when he shows up on yeah, set... Yeah, you do. He's got his old seventies clothes yeah. on, but he's clearly a little fatter than he yeah. used to be. He's there five and, minutes before the. And I've happen. seen I've seen the documentary. I'm from Hollywood. Mm. That's the wrestling documentary. So many times, like that's Jim, that's how Jim Carrey greets him in front of the crew. Duh, I'm from Memphis, <laughs> Tennessee, and J- they cut to like you know a, a stand up of Jerry Lawler. Like I know he's in character, but yeah. like Andy and I were friends yeah. and came up with this shit. Yeah. He's doing what Andy was doing in the ring. In the ring, which to like, Hulk Hogan behind doesn't the do that scenes, people. <laughs> and he just keeps do- he keeps throwing water like when he's about to go on when Jerry Lawler's about to have his takes and like it comes to a boil and you don't get to see what happens I have a feeling you really hurt Jim Carrey it looks like he hits him him. in the face yeah it's just you just see the back of Jerry Lawler restrained by like 16 people as he's yelling I can do this anytime I want anytime I want I can do that to you around this time that like they were gonna do an actual like WWE feud they they, if you were alive you remember there were reports of Jerry Lawler injuring Carrey and it's it's the same work yeah. From the the Memphis wrestling because yeah. you see Jim Carrey and his agent. His agent is the one on the news delivering the news that Jerry Lawler's harmed my client, and Jim Carrey's just fucking laughing. And mm-hmm. Jim Carrey's attorney is Paul Heyman, so that has to do it, so. <laughs> I want to say what the last line is because it oh. no, totally it's too, good. It's too, it's too good. good. It puts the whole movie in this perspective. Like everyone, please, it's on Netflix, which I thought it was on Hulu, and I went looking for it on Hulu no, and couldn't find it. It's a it's a Vice documentary. It yeah. really yeah. bums me out because I pitched making documentaries. Hmm. I didn't pitch this one, but I did pitch the next one hmm. a year ago to a friend, and really? I had no idea someone was actually making it. The next one. So this this movie's great. Jim and, and Andy. I, by the that's called Jim and Andy the Great Beyond's on Netflix. It's fucking yeah. great. It's I'm gonna stellar. watch it probably ten times. Yeah. This next one though is probably the most fun I've had watching a movie this mm-hmm. year because it's so funny and yeah. about a thing that I care about so much. Every single second we talked about it on thirty twenty ten the Dana Carvey show. <laughs> yeah, Dana Carvey is the hottest property in the universe after SNL and just kind of has to leave because. What is it? What else do you do in the show? You're worth millions of dollars. You're worth more than the show now. <laughs> what is it? What, the thing Bill Hader says, where he's like, "When I left SNL, it was like a blurb and TV guide. When yeah. he left SNL, he's on the cover of Rolling cover Stone." Cover Rolling Stone. Because <laughs> uh, yeah, it, it's hard. I don't know if SNL's had a character like Dana Carvey before or since. Like, he, Will Ferrell, maybe. There have been a couple. They, I but... think in terms of being a breakout movie star, which Eddie Carvey Murphy. was not. But Eddie like, Murphy, I think, was the closest. But to Eddie Murphy, Carvey would have been. Or he, but Carvey he on the show itself, I don't know if anybody. Yeah. They have anybody that huge. Yeah. Because he was a guy who was Kate in every McKinnon's sketch. Kind of close these days, but yeah. I don't think it's possible to be what he was at yeah. that time. Yeah. There's also, too much media. Yeah, yeah. It's the difference between like 12, 15 million people watching SNL oh. and whatever people, the whatever amount there is now. And he talks about his impression. He's like, I didn't want to do my characters on this new sketch show mm-hmm. because I get bored, and that's why people like my characters because yeah. like I'm doing Bush, yeah. and then I get bored, and I start doing a little <laughs> faster, and like exaggerating it and by the time it's like purple monkey dishwasher this impression to something only Dana Carvey can do you couldn't jump into like an impression like that mm-hmm. it's like I, we would do Hans and Franz and then I, I got so bored of it I just kept doing this and like making faces like he started which is how the movie ends too yeah <laughs> the Dana Carvey show but, wasn't so good was it I, I now love, there's a movie about it I love <laughs> I love sketch comedy so much and I love that Dana Carvey like after you've left SNL you're the biggest star in the world what do you want to do here, have Letterman's job. They offered it to him. He said no. Yeah. He's I'll I want to do basically more sketch. 
There's like a clip and, of him talking to Letterman about that, and Letterman's yeah. like, "You're gonna do it?" And he's like, "I don't know." Like, it's it's funny to be like, "Why are you allowed to talk about this on TV?" <laughs> so fucking weird. But the the people involved, uh, Louis C.K., um, mm. Dino Stamatopoulos, uh, Starburns on John Glazer, fans, John Glazer, of course, Steve, Steven, even Steven, both of them, Steve Carell, showrunner Robert Smigel of SNL, Conan, and Triumph the Insult Comic Dog Fane, and stars Steve Carell and Steve. And Steve Colbert, Stephen Colbert, mm-hmm. I didn't know Stephen Colbert was Steve Carell's understudy of Second City when this happened. Did and you not know that? I no idea. There's a really good book about Second City called Second City Unscripted, mm-hmm. I think. Uh, I recommend it. But just that Carell was the guy that Colbert would stand in for. And yeah. for some reason, Carell didn't show up for the audition. Colbert did. He got the job first. And like, no, but you need to hire Carell too. They, I think they, <laughs> and then they did it again for the Daily Show. They went to Second City to mm-hmm. see Carell. Yes. And Colbert was there. Colbert so they got him. There. And then when Colbert came in, he was like, you have to also ask Steven. Like, mm-hmm. he'll be here. Come back. And I remember trying my best to see this fucking show. Dana Carvey show. Yeah. He could not have been hotter I wasn't really. I was six. I was, only know about it in yeah, the like, tones I, I, well, of I was, this weird show. I, I, like I, I knew I about was, it, but I was, was just, too young. I was yeah. too young to stay up late for SNL, but they were rerunning them on Comedy Central, yeah. so I was seeing those. Mm-hmm. And the time slot was weird, and they didn't air oh, every week. Yeah. And I, it was one of those things kids were talking about in school. Like, dude, the first episode is called the Taco Bell Dana Carvey <laughs> Show, and they had tacos dancing around. Like, what the fuck? <laughs> what is that? Because Dana's like, yeah. I thought it'd be fun. That's yeah. how shows used to be. So we yeah. thought it'd be funny to get a different sponsor every yeah. week. And They're on make ABC. Fun of they it. didn't need like, that money. Yeah, they <laughs> thought it was funny. Like the state are in that same boat where it's like, no matter how much you love the show in mm-hmm. the uh, like early mid nineties, mm-hmm. if the if the the new slot wasn't hammered home to you, you you might have easily missed it. Like, mm-hmm. yeah, I, I loved the state. I had recorded the state back when I was a kid, and then when they went to CBS, I was like, oh. It oh, sucks. that thing happened, and I literally tuned into it halfway through because I, I was flipping channels. In between it was the SNL. Halloween special. I found it yeah. while being in Savannah, Georgia, yeah. over the summer at like noon on a Sunday. Yeah, mm-hmm. I finally saw that special. I haven't seen it before or since. That special was not, not on VHS the internet for like it. the longest yeah. time, and there was a VHS copy that got passed around the Philly comedy yeah. community. God damn it! People <laughs> would just give it, especially when Kevin. I love I did. I literally paid like twenty bucks to some like new. It was on a news group. That's how I found it. <laughs> wow. uh, like all TV, the state. And someone's like, 20 bucks, you get all the episodes of the state and, <laughs> yeah, and the CBS. So I got like, Mr. Show. Now I'm like, okay, I'll just mail this 20 bucks out there and maybe mm-hmm. I'll get something back. And I did get those. Yeah. Now it's they, on, were, they were fucking awful. It's on certain version. torrent trackers. I think it's on uh, my explain. It's on some other places now. Once so, once so yeah. bad. And wanted this, because like looking back at this show, it is, it's like early Conan mixed with SNL. Yeah. Lots of really, really dark. Mm. The one I remembered and I forgot all about was Grandma the Clown, <laughs> which is like the most Tim and Eric. Th- it's just a 90-year-old woman in full-on <laughs> disgusting clown makeup who does clown things really slowly. Really slow. <laughs> the pie coming toward her face. It's <laughs> haunting how fucking of, funny and odd it is. And they, because there's only six episodes or whatever the show, they... Like eight or they, some of them went unaired. They give a lot of time to like every sketch mm-hmm. in that show. Like they, It's basically like a a commentary of those sketches stretched and out even more. It's great. It is subversive. We talked about it in 302010. The first sketch is Bill yeah. Clinton has gone through hormone therapy and developed... <laughs> The ability to lactate, grow six nipples, and can feed puppies and kittens. Mm-hmm. And the, and I'm like, I remember seeing that, and I don't mm-hmm. remember finding it very shocking, because like, I love that they point out this is an ABC show. So in Just the 90s... Just following home so, improvements. Well, I'll get to that. So it, it, that, it's, that has the highest budget in the universe. So fuck yeah, we're going to make real nipples that can actually <laughs> lactate and feed and bring in real animals. There's no special effects here. Stephen Colbert was just in an interview talking about, like, it's my first job, and it's like, you got, we got to fly you to Florida. It's like, Why? 
we got to throw a horse out of an airplane. <laughs> no, so I have to fly, I have to fly to Florida to be there for it. Like, yeah, it's a network show. Like, you just <laughs> yeah, we got money. Yeah, we got money. You just that's what's going to happen. And I, I, they show that shot in the documentary, and the horse like explodes mm-hmm. when it hits the ground. I was thinking that during the the dumb pranksters <clears throat> sketches because they're like really in a car driving. <laughs> yes, which is I think it's being towed. Mm-hmm. But like, and and so they're driving so fast. <laughs> they're driving so fast. That's why I think it's been towed because like yes. he's laughing and letting go of the wheel. But like on SNL, that would be a rear projection. Mm-hmm. Like Toons is the cat who could drive. Yeah. Looks horrible. <laughs> yeah, in the, the show, as a result, like I found it a couple of years ago. I think they released it on DVD. It holds up real well. It's really wacky. It's this documentary is hilarious. A strange amount of decapitation, and I love Dana Carvey's attitude towards all this because he doesn't even mention the fact that he like nearly died of like a bad bypass surgery. But yeah, it doesn't come up at all. He's got a very he's got a very calm and zen like state. Like, yeah, I got enough money. I don't give a shit. I like mm-hmm. spending time with my sons. I don't care. He goes well, they, on tour with the sons now. He, he tells some stories about his kids that are like heartbreaking. Yeah, because he's like, I, I, we live in Connecticut and mm-hmm. we shot the show in New York. Like, mm-hmm. I have to drive back and forth. It's unbelievable. The most laser time clip <laughs> in the fucking universe involves, and you critic fans are no doubt familiar with this. <laughs> I was thinking of that. Too. Home Improvement is the biggest juggernaut of this period. Like, mm-hmm. once Seinfeld is out of the way, like I, I still think Home Improvement commanded more advertising revenue. Because it had Probably. children and families. Nine o'clock on ABC on Tuesdays, and they like, had that's a huge. They had whatever the, day it was. They had the utmost faith in the Dana Carvey show and put money behind it. And like, we're going to give you the best time slot we have behind Home Improvement. And even the writers are like, we did. Hmm. We just didn't watch Home Improvement. We didn't know how much of a bad idea that was. Oh, there's a great the, clip of Robert and the, and that, the okay. clip. The clip is the most <laughs> laser time clip ever. It's like something we would play on Laser Timer 30 2010. Awesome. This is Robert Smigel talking, but then Steve Carell and Steve Colbert <laughs> reacting. Seriously, this is fucking yeah, great. I tweeted you know. about this clip as well. This this is amazing. I had never watched Home Improvement <laughs> when I heard about the time slot. I thought, oh, well, maybe it'll be compatible because Tim Allen's kind of a man's man kind of guy. And, uh, <laughs> seemed like maybe he's a hip comedian. He'd been busted for cocaine or something. <laughs> I don't know, is home improvement a little racy, maybe? Right? I get your point now, Tim. You respect me, huh? <laughs> I hadn't watched it until about four shows in. I just stopped everything at 9 o'clock on a Tuesday and watched it and just watched in horror, just not believing what we had foisted on this audience. ABC Tuesday, a parent's worst fear, losing a child. I don't want to die, Dad. You never know whose family it will happen to. <laughs> An episode so powerful, it hits home. We beat this thing, no matter what it is, you know. I'm not letting anything happen to you. A special home improvement, followed by the diet mug root beer, Dana <laughs> Carter Show. <laughs> and it's, it's the clip is still playing. It's just Steve Colbert laughing for yeah, like five minutes. This eyes. is the dinosaurs ne- is missed. One of our dinosaurs is missing. Moment, David. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I remember that episode of Home Improvement. What can too, you say? I mean, that just says it all. <laughs> that just says it all. What were we doing? It was being marketed as this kind of fun show, and I think people were like, "What the fuck is this?" And I thought about what we had put on television. <laughs> Such a good clip. I think they thought Jonathan Taylor Thomas had AIDS in that episode. Cancer. Oh, it was cancer. It was cancer. Because oh. I think it was on. we did our Laser Time Very Special episode. And yeah. For one episode, there's a cancer scare. And uh-huh. No laugh track. <laughs> so silly. <laughs> and then followed by the diet... <laughs> Diet Mug Root Beer Dana Which was Carvey the, they Show. They did Mug Root Beer, and then their second sponsor was Diet... They did two Mug Root Beer sponsorships? Yes, because like, as the show became more 
vaguely controversial. Mm-hmm. Like the last episode is sponsored by one local New York Chinese restaurant, <laughs> the Family Dynasty Szechuan Restaurant. Yeah, that's because that's the only ones they had left. Uh, uh, he was but, like, I don't think they gave us any money. Oh my god, <laughs> did we talk too much? I'm sorry. Hey, I'm Dan Harmon. What time is it? It's laser time. Ahoy, ahoy, everybody. This is Bob Mackey. Chris Antista. Henry Gilbert. And when you're done listening to this, we'd like you to check out Talking Simpsons. It's our chronological exploration of The Simpsons only on the Laser Time Podcast Network. Where we'll discuss why Barney is the MVP of Season 3. Whatever you say, Mom. When we try to figure out what every reference means. Weren't you one of the little rascals? And where we'll tell you how to avoid the poison donut. There is a poisoned one, isn't there, Smithers? No, sir. I discussed this with our lawyers. They consider it murder. Damn their oily heads! For all this and more, listen to Talking Simpsons every Wednesday at TalkingSimpsons.com or wherever you find your podcasts. Thank you people so much for listening. I cannot wait for you to hear this interview. I really enjoyed the movie, Gilbert. But if you're still hankering for some podcasts, remember we have 30 2010 rolling into the new year and holy crap, do the releases of late December and early January, and holy crap, are the releases of late December and early January weird as shit. So join Diana, Matt, and I for a discussion on that stuff. And also make sure to listen to Talking Simpsons as they, as myself, Bob Mackie, and Henry near the end of The Simpsons' sixth season, arguably the peak of The Simpsons. But if none of that's your bag and all you give a fuck about is video games, we got you We got you covered there too. Video Game Apocalypse has its Game of the Year mega explosion podcast thing. So make sure to check that out. Bunch of your favorite guests have gotten together and we're all discussing our favorite video games of 2017. As always, you can find out more at lasertimepodcast.com and be sure to check out Matt and I's ongoing series of Disneyland Adventures, something we're doing to fill in the gaps of this holiday break. Either way, enjoy yourself. And we will see you once again in 2018. Stick him in now, further, up, 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 further, further, go as far as you possibly can. Wait a minute. Come back. This one's clean. Usually I lose the crowd quicker than that. I must be slipping. Coming back in, uh, ladies and gentlemen, we are talking to a wonderful documentary director, Neil Berkeley. You may have seen Harmontown. Um, Beauty is embarrassing, but Gilbert, a Gilbert Godfrey story, a documentary all about Gilbert Godfrey, which is out now on iTunes, Amazon, and coming to Hulu on December 29th. Neil Berkeley, how you doing? I'm doing very well. Thanks for having me on the on the show. Um, I was so excited not only to see, that you gave me a chance to see this, but that somebody bothered to make a movie about Gilbert Godfrey. <laughs> Well, I, I'm I, I'm very very happy to be the person that that got to do that. Um, I, I'm thrilled with the reaction the movie's gotten, the way people are talking about it. It's uh, humbling and it's been a very rewarding, wonderful experience so far. I, yeah, I only wanted to talk because uh, in addition to that, I know Harmontown's been out for even longer. But in terms yeah. of following around and doing a portrait of a comic persona, this was an insane juxtaposition. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, the way it happened is um, I grew up in the 80s, and which kind of led to my first movie, which has a Pee Wee's Playhouse storyline. So um, cool. And I, I come back, after I made Harmontown, I got real curious about what it's like to live as a character. I started to think a lot about 
like Bobcat Goldthwait and Emo Phillips and even Paul Rubens as Pee Wee. And I, I realized that, oh, this guy, you know, Gilbert Gottfried's always been in my life. Like, he's in everything I've ever seen and liked, and I'm a huge fan. And me, but he's never a broken character. You don't know anything about him. So I just started telling people I was going to make a movie about him, but never really tried to meet him or talk to his agent. And then, true story, I was walking down 6th Avenue in New York one day with this woman named Astra, and she was working with me at the time. And she said, what's your next movie going to be about? And I said, oh, it's going to be about Gilbert Gottfried, as if it were actually happening. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and she said, that's so that's so weird you said that to me, because his wife is my best friend. Whoa! And they live... Yeah, and she goes, they live two blocks from here. Do you want to meet him? And I was like, yeah. And I had lunch with him the next day. And then, like, six months later, his wife called and said, hey, why don't you just come out uh, to New York and try it, see how it goes. And so I packed my bag, and I moved to New York and lived on my friend's couch for seven months. Wow. Shot a movie about Gilbert. Yeah, because he, he seems... He's one of the most... The characters I probably wanted to know more about, but I think most people never knew they did. Mm-hmm. Nobody yeah. dislikes Gilbert right. Godfrey. Everybody knows him on site from from children's entertainment <laughs> yeah. to r- the raunchiest comedy you've ever seen to mm-hmm. controversy to family-friendly stuff. Yeah. But he, he never yeah. seems... He never seems... He's just a shy dude. He just never seems comfortable on camera. He's very shy. Yeah, he's very... Uh, not introverted, but... He's just, um, you know, he he does his thing. He turns that character on, but you know, in his real life, he's he's very quiet, very shy, uh, not not a big outgoing guy. Um, but you're right; everyone does love him, and the people that don't love him, um, they you know, they might like Aladdin. But people have seen this movie, and they're like, "Oh, wait, I actually actually do like this guy." <laughs> yeah, and I, I he's been in my life forever, and it never occurred to me that he yeah. was keeping anything from us. Yeah, because he was so omnipresent. That, that opening, the, the it's a great framing device in the movie. That shot of him on Stern. Howard Stern, and it was when it hit me of like, oh, I don't know yeah. a thing about him. I've seen I him on every talk him. show, and he's never told us one ounce of information about him. So. Yeah, it's interesting that 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 Howard Stern clip was sort of like the blueprint. You know, he was asking all those questions that the the movie tries to answer, um, and it does sort of like set up. The, the mystery about him that even Howard Stern, this guy that should know him, doesn't even know that he's engaged and having a baby and yeah and all this stuff. So it does kind of like right out the gate lets you know that there's a mystery to this guy and and we're gonna show you what it is. Yeah, and and my my favorite footage that I saw because I don't know here's why where I discovered I wanted to know more about Gilbert Godfrey his podcast. Yeah, his podcast uh-huh. is great and it's like oh I'd never knew anything about this guy. And he has an encyclopedic knowledge of pretty much everything made before 1982. Even though oh, yeah. after 1982, he was in all of my favorite movies growing up. Problem Child, Hot to Trot. I love those movies. Um, yeah. That, that, but every comedian knows everybody loves him. And the footage that I'd never seen yeah. is Eddie Murphy in his full-on... He's dressed as a cowboy during his leather rock star period. He couldn't have been more famous at that time. Sing Only to sing the praises of Gilbert Gottfried. You're going to see this guy. Yeah. Yeah, that was really, you know, we that was, I guess, I think it was during a press conference for Belly Hills Cop 2, and he said that Gilbert's his favorite comic, and that scene in the movie, which we show is his favorite scene in, in Beverly Hills Cop 2. Um, yeah, every comic, as they say, he's a comic's comic, but they all love him. You know, it was funny, after I interviewed a lot of these people, like David Tell and uh, Jeff Ross and uh, even Bill Burr, after I would leave, I'd, I'd wrap up the interview and they would all say some version of, hey, we love Gilbert, don't screw this up. <laughs> this is very important. 
Well, yeah, the, there had yeah. to be a certain level of trust there to even let you into his life and and see his kids and also like some of the uh, family movies in that thing too. Like how what how was it to gain his trust and to to let the, the, the made you the guy that he would open up about this to? He never really. Yeah, you know, I, I never really said you're the guy. I just started going to his house every day. <laughs> um, I, I, true, I would get up and go there at like 9.30 every day and shoot with him. And I think after a while, his sister Arlene, who's in the movie, um, she, I think she gave him permission to talk about certain things and to, to open up. And even Dara would, would talk to him about, hey, you know, if, if, you're, if you're doing this, you may as well give him what he needs. So, you know, you can talk to him about your mom and your dad and, your fears and all these things. And so it, it took a few weeks, but eventually he kind of let the guard down and, and, and let me into the, his personal life. When the cameras aren't filming, does he at least kiss his wife then? <laughs> like, that was so weird to me. No. He... <laughs> no, he's not. <laughs> he's, it's funny. We show it in the movie. He's very affectionate with the kids. Yeah. Um, like, you know, he kisses them and hugs them and says, I love you. And he's really playful and affectionate with the kids. Um, but with adults, he's got this really, uh, like, he, he's very, not, doesn't touch, doesn't like to be touched. He's, you know, he, he it was with Dara, and we, we put it in the movie, you know, he doesn't say I love you, he just doesn't say words like that to, he says, Fuck to, to you. adults. <laughs> um, but yeah, no, he's not, he doesn't, he's, he's, he's not an affectionate guy. And that's, that was, I got a little bit of it from listening to his podcast, the Gilbert Godfrey's Amazing Colossal podcast, but he's not that old he's younger than my father mm. but he acts hey, he's, yeah, he's 62 62 born in 1955 but he acts so much like my grandparents um <laughs> yeah yeah in, well, an, also, in an affectionate funny. way he's, he's been in the business he started doing comedy when he was 15 so like your grandparents he's always been in our life yeah so we, there's this assumption that he's an old guy because he's been around but he did. He started comedy before I was born. But it just um, part of the documentary is showing that like there's a sweetness nobody's ever seen to him that is exactly like my grandfather was. <laughs> Didn't say doesn't yeah. doesn't say that much and occasionally a cheesy joke. Um, but yeah. every time I hear him talk, when he gives anecdotes, it's like he feels much more old Hollywood or like from a different like he was like the last of a generation of some kind. That's the way I view him. I know. He is like a he's like a really dirty force belt comic. Yeah, <laughs> like yeah, like he's he's like a, a Jackie Mason that uses the f word all the time. Yeah, and um, that's that's I, I especially love yeah. the towards the end it you address the tsunami tweets and yeah. it, it just makes you feel such compassion for like well th this guy who's been doing this his whole life mm -hmm. and. Yeah, the, I like at, the point. It's just, but yeah. it's like right at that point of the media, though. Like, if you look, turn on CNN right now, they're not talking about a comedian's tweets. Mm -hmm. They're talking about something <laughs> drastically more important. But at this point in time, well, they, I, he yeah. was mainstream news that Gilbert Gottfried made insensitive yeah. jokes. Yeah, I, I like the bit that Bill Burr and I think Judy Gold were both saying. Like, it was, it was kind of a testing of the line, or seeing mm -hmm. like, oh, you can't. This this joke doesn't work in a tweet kind of thing, right? Yeah, or yeah. too soon because everybody can see this. They didn't all buy a ticket to a comedy club. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that was also in the very early days of Twitter. Mm -hmm. um, it, it, we had to we had to contextualize it a little bit because people forget that there was a time when 
you know, even comedians didn't realize that Twitter was talking to the whole world yeah. <laughs> and that the whole world was going to instantly give you feedback. Um, and, you know, Gilbert learned that, that lesson the hard way. But but it was during a, not an innocent time, but he just did it thinking he was just making jokes like he would do in a club. Uh, yeah, but sure, he found sure. out quickly that that's, that's not the case. Because the doc shows how much he was devastated by that, like a, almost like a child having no idea he did anything wrong. But nobody, to, yeah. his, to his credit, nobody understood that venue at the time. And, mm-hmm. and just the nature of those tweets, that would not be nightly news now. I don't but, think so. But due to the newness of it, like, everybody knows Gilbert Gottfried, and he said this. It was just so odd, heartbreaking to see him as, like, a CNN punching bag. Yeah, that, well, that was one of the times that where he, he really got honest with me. He, he really talked about how devastating it was and how he thought he screwed up his whole career. Like, he talks about, um, you know, his, he called his agent, and the agent said, you, get, you have a gig this weekend, and, and Gilbert said, how much does it pay? And the agent says, you don't get to ask that anymore. You just take the money. <laughs> um, and, you know, he says it as a joke. But the way he says it, you can tell that he really thought, oh, great, I've got these kids and a wife now, and I just blew it. Um, he really thought that was it. Yeah, part of it reminded me of just the presence of the Affleck duck back then and how much yeah. it was diminished. <laughs> and I, if I could ask him yeah. one thing, like, I saw the Affleck duck recently. It sounds <laughs> just like him, and why hasn't he sued? <laughs> I, I I've asked him that. There's not there's not a satisfying answer. The, the the answer was he was told he doesn't have a case by several lawyers. Um, but then again, lawyers have told me that he probably does have a case. Mm-hmm. Um, it's it's like I, I don't know. The, that's the crazy thing. It, it just shows that it was like they wouldn't talk to me, of course. But sure. I mean, it was definitely a financial decision. I mean, you know, you 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 fire Gilbert and then hire someone that sounds just like him. So everyone that was offended over in Tokyo, they don't know that it's not Gilbert. They don't know <laughs> who does that voice. Well, yeah. So it is really a hypocritical thing. Mm. Uh, you know, I was curious, too, um, about, like, there's there's several kind of, uh, like, riding in the bus with him. Did you guys actually ride the bus as he's taking this yeah. his cheap travel? That had no, to be even... So that, <laughs> true story. I, I, you know, I traveled with him to, like, 15 different cities and went to Mexico and Toronto. And I, the first time I traveled with him was to Philadelphia. And I said, yeah, Dara, his wife, I said, I'm going to go to Philadelphia. And she said, okay, you need to get a Megabus ticket. And I was like, what is a Megabus? Is a Megabus? Getting? And she goes, no, no, he rides the Megabus because it's $8. Wow. Uh, and then she, yeah, his wife said, don't tell Gilbert, but I pay an extra $3. There's by the window. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, and if he found out I spent that money, he, he wouldn't sit up there, but he likes the window. So That, that, is, my, um, that is my favorite shot in the dock that just he's sitting on the street waiting for this bus to move to the airport and people are just walking by he's like that's is that yeah that's that is yeah. gilbert godfrey with a giant suitcase waiting up to 20 minutes yeah. to get on a bus so new yorkers know what the mega bus is no one really knows what it is but it, again it's an eight dollar bus it'll take you anywhere on the east coast um but there's no like terminal you just go and you stand on the sidewalk like yeah. out in the exposed heat or rain or whatever's going on and i said gilbert this is crazy, man. What do you do if it's raining? And he said, well, if it's raining, you have to stand in the rain. But they all know me here, so they let me sit under their tent. And then sure enough, we get there. And as soon as he walked up, all the guys that worked there were like, hey, Gilbert, how's it going? Come on over. That's fantastic. Oh, my God. Uh, yeah. And where does that, does that, is that a thriftiness that comes from the losing the Affleck job? Or is that some, the way he's always been? 
I think he's always there's, – there's, I have a couple of theories on it, and he, he doesn't articulate it very well. He just says it's just how I am. Um, like, I don't think he, he had money growing up, but I don't think he ever wanted for things. So I think there is a fear – he does talk about this in the movie. There's a fear that he has that a lot of performers have that this could all just go away someday. Mm. Um, that, that one day someone in Hollywood's going to say – you say, hey, you don't you don't get to be here anymore. So there is this idea that you need to watch every every penny. But also, he he loves getting stuff for free, like <laughs> anything. Like I, I I and he said he agrees. I said I think if someone said, Gilbert, um, we're gonna have you perform tonight, and here's a check for a million dollars and a free six pack of soda, he would go, oh wow, free soda. <laughs> like he he. I'm not kidding. He he just like we were just at Hulu, and ev- they've got kitchens everywhere. And every time he walked through a kitchen, he'd leave that kitchen with a big <laughs> armful of uh, candy bars and cokes and bags of chips, like whatever free stuff they had. He gathers. Have you two had any interactions since you know the movies come out where people with you guys have known that Gilbert likes free stuff? Oh yeah, usually. When we show up, there's like gift bags, and, and he loves it. But yeah, anytime we go somewhere, um, there's like just they'll they'll have bags full of free stuff, and they'll give him free stuff. A lot of people give him hotel soaps. <laughs> <laughs> um, now that he, he takes all the hotel soaps from the whenever he goes on tour. Yeah, my jaw uh, seeing it in the theater, my jaw dropped when. Uh, his wife pulled out those multiple boxes of old soap. Hotel like, soaps. Or hotel underarm, soap. as he refers to it. In the yeah, movie. Yeah. yeah, thousands. He has thousands and thousands of soaps and shampoos and lotions and combs and razor blades and anything he can get his hands on. He just has an endless <laughs> supply of it. Uh, so in the movie, you got some really good, you know, comedians to comment on him. Were there mm. any? Were there any uh, other like colleagues of his you wanted to get that you weren't able to get? Yeah, of course. I mean, no one really said no. Um, anyone that couldn't do it, it was always like scheduling stuff. You know, they just couldn't. They just couldn't make time in their schedule. Um, like no one turned us down. Really, we got all the ones. We got a, a good list. It's a great list. Um, it's like Jeff Ross, yeah. Anthony Jeselnik, Joy Behar, yeah. Whoopi Goldberg, Jay Leno, Bill Burr, Patton Oswalt. It's pretty nuts. Yeah, they were all very cool. I mean, that, that was one of the best parts of making it is getting to meet all those people and talk to them because they were all so like you know I, Jay Leno. I'm not a you know not a not a rabid Jay Leno fan, but I came away from that interview like really liking Jay Leno. I mean, he's a great <laughs> guy. He was a great interview. Um, gave us lots of his time um like bill burr uh these are interviews i would love just to <laughs> put more of those interviews out because these people are so great to me well that's is is this like a little niche you're carving for yourself like a profile on comedians is that something you think you're going to keep doing uh, i definitely have ideas to to keep doing that and there's people i'd like to profile I, i'd like to you know this is my third movie about a weird artist mm-hmm. <laughs> so i'd like to i'd like to uh branch out a little bit and try something new um, but but then again, I do like pro, I like meeting and talking to and and analyzing and fi- trying to figure out weird artists. So I'm sure I'll do it again with someone. It's just it's just something I didn't I didn't know until a few years ago that I really like to watch, mm-hmm. um, especially with comics who you who have to blur the line between their stage persona and who they are. And the, and at Harmontown, you caught Dan Harmon at a fascinating time in his life, like yeah, where things uh, could. Oh man, yeah. 
That'll, that, like, yeah, he was, I mean, we, you know, we, when I made the movie, we didn't know he was going to get his job on Community back. And he didn't have uh, Rick and Morty? He was like well, selling Rick and like Morty? It was like the pilot was done, and he's also writing another pilot that, or At not last minute, another yeah. pilot in it, yeah. No, he, so he was just in the middle of writing the first season of Rick and Morty. Wow. Um, no one knew it would become the phenomenon that it's become. I believe um, I saw it's the highest yeah, rated he, thing he, on he cable a, yeah, with young men. What's that? It's the highest rated. I think it's the highest rated thing on cable with, with like the youth demographic. I, I thought it was a cult thing that only I like, but <laughs> Rick and Morty's huge. Oh my god, it, it's huge! Yeah, it certainly keeps that network alive. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, yeah, he he had the CBS pilot to write and the Fox pilot to write, um, and he had a writers team on Rick and Morty. But like I said, we didn't know he was going to get his job on Community back. Yeah. So the fact that we kind of caught him in this weird moment between like his the low point career wise kind of yeah um again it was before rick and morty so uh yeah that was a very uh, interesting also he's a much happier person now and he, he told me that and he it was a really 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 interesting time in his life and the fact that we had cameras on it was sort of a once in a lifetime thing yeah i was uh in harmontown i was really impressed and Honestly, kind of shocked a couple times with the level of candidness uh, in that movie. Like he's, there are several parts of it where he doesn't look like a very good person. Like he seems like a, not a great guy in some parts, and that he let no, I mean, show that. Yeah, he, he was. He would say that there was probably more we could have shown. <laughs> um, I remember when I when I finished it, uh, his agent called me up the something about the deal or whatever, and and they said, hey, so uh, we watched the cut. Um, just a couple tweaks we'd like you to make. And I said, what do you mean? And he said, yeah, there's a couple things in there that might not be good for his career. And I said, well, I have final cut, so no. <laughs> wow. And he goes, he goes, you what? And I said, yeah, Dan gave me final cut. And he goes, huh, we wouldn't have done that. <laughs> <laughs> I, I just have to imagine yeah. following Gilbert Godfrey around was such a cool down where you're going from shooting in bars where your subject is visibly hammered on occasion to Gilbert Godfrey, who yeah. was in his bathrobe, <laughs> most comfortable in his apartment. And also the personality difference from yeah. someone who's an open book to someone who's very private. Yeah. Yeah, oh, well, yeah, totally. Yeah, as far as that concerns, is night and day. Um, but yeah, Gilbert is definitely much more low-key. <laughs> I'm, just, I'm just glad I got to see that. It's something I think the whole world would have been curious about had he like died or something mm-hmm. but it's he was it, hit by a bus tomorrow yeah. like, people would have been like who was or he Megabus. Yeah, yeah, who's, Megabus who's tomorrow. this guy that has been at least three yeah. things you've watched a thousand times <laughs> yeah it sounds it, it sounds grim to say but I, I always tell people that to me he's like he's like my generation's Don Rickles so mm. to get cameras on him or a camera on him now when he's still out there doing it and still vibrant and relevant yeah and he's working um, you know, constantly. To wait. Looking, looking at his bio, it's like he's still doing a ton of stuff mm-hmm. in everything oh, in the yeah. universe. It's just like you might not be watching this children's show mm-hmm. or didn't see the fourth Sharknado. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, that's the that's the that's the, the nice thing about you know him and people like him and Dan who kind of do whatever they want to do, damn the consequences. Mm-hmm. They tend to fail up. You know, Gilbert's busier than ever. Dan's busier than ever. So sort of like committing to your voice uh, is usually rewarded in the long run, um, which is it's good to see. You know, it's nice. Yeah. I think we, we would all like to be uh, act, actualized and, and, and doing what our 
brains are meant to be doing, and those guys are doing it. And even when they blow it, they're they eventually become rewarded. So that's nice to see. Yeah, and my my last question is a giant Disney nerd. Like just seeing all the footage together, <laughs> just more so than ever. Like you, you can show the a clip of Iago next to an aristocrat's joke. How how did, how <laughs> yeah. how is Disney stuck with him for all this time? It's funny, like I don't. It's, well, it's like you know, Affleck hired him and then fired him. Like, didn't they know? Yeah, exactly. Um, but I guess... he's really interesting. Howard Stern says, like, how do you do that? How do you go from being the filthiest comic to doing Disney birds? Uh, <laughs> yeah, he, I don't know. He pulls it off. <laughs> I I just love Iago so much. That was one of the first Disney cartoon characters. I mean, I didn't recognize Buddy Hackett and Little Mermaid. Yeah. I knew who Gilbert Godfrey was. Yeah, when I, saw I think Aladdin. that was the first time too. When I uh, the first time I recognized a celebrity mm-hmm. voice in a Disney movie was yeah. Well, him and Robin Robin Williams, Williams of course. One, yeah. Uh, you know, well, actually, yeah, we didn't we didn't have time to cover it in the movie, but if you think back, like that was back when the biggest stars in the world didn't do yeah cartoons, didn't do those movies. Like Robin Williams was a star, but didn't he wasn't. It wasn't a low point, but he certainly wasn't the mega star that he was at one point. And even Gilbert was a you know he's a B C level guy. Um, the fact that they got to be in that huge movie probably wouldn't even happen today. Mm, yeah. Oh, also, I had a, I had a question for you. As uh, so, we're podcasters, and mm-hmm. both Harmontown and uh, and and Gilbert cover like podcast recordings. You filmed several podcast recordings for us. So, I'm curious. Do you have any opinions on how to make a good podcast <laughs> or tips from from filming them? Uh, you know, I, I think the, the the similarity that that Harmontown and and Gilbert have is. They're very genuine, um, meaning for some reason, uh, Gilbert's able to get these people who you might not know to really open up and be interesting. People, I, I, I see people behave differently on Gilbert's show than they would normally. They, they're either enjoying that they can be dirty and curse, or they're enjoying someone paying attention to them if they haven't been paid attention to in a while. Yeah. Um, but, you know, Dan's whole thing is to be revealing um, and Gilbert also gets people to be very revealing on that show. So I think just the, the, the genuine honesty of it is uh, appealing to people. I, I love his sincerity. Would you sing a song with me? <laughs> yeah, the Dick Van Dyke scene yeah. is amazing. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. That's a highlight in my life. I was three feet from Dick Van Dyke singing that's Disney nuts. songs. Hmm. Oh. Unbelievable. And, and that's we didn't even mention that. Like, you prob- You might not know what Gilbert Godfrey actually sounds like. He keeps the voice on slightly for his podcast but this was the the longest i've heard him talk in his normal voice yeah oh yeah it's yeah it, and it's and it's striking too yeah um yeah even even now when we do press he kind of turns the voice on a little bit but um i i've, I've set up meetings for him or, or little work things for him and a couple times people have called me when he shows up and they're like hey is gilbert okay he's very quiet he's <laughs> not talking to anyone he's just standing in the corner and I said, don't worry. Just once the red light comes on, he'll do his thing. But people think he's like they're like they're like, oh man, this, this is not going to go well. He's upset. And then of course he, he yeah, <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. They think he's upset. <laughs> yeah, man. I really, really like the doc, though. I and I hope you don't abandon the format of profiling comedians because, mm-hmm. like, I don't know, man. I really, really liked it. <laughs> I I don't think I will. I, I'm I'm fascinated by these people, so hopefully I'll get to do it again. That's good. You have, you have anything else coming up? Oh, sorry, Dave. I was gonna say, I've got some things I'm. That's all right. I've got some things I'm working on. Um, nothing that's far enough along that I can't 
can or should really talk about it. But yeah, there's a few things in the works. Okay. Are there any like dream projects? Like, oh, if I could get a do a documentary on this comedian, uh, that you'd go for? Not. I mean, there's. I, I have like weird fascinations with you know, like I grew up in the '80s in Oklahoma, and, and like no one's done the Van Halen doc. So I'd like. Huh. I wouldn't mind getting my hands on that. There's little weird things I'd like to do, um, aside from the bigger profile. But yeah. I I, I I like marginal. I like people on the fringe. I, you know, Gilbert's not your the guy you would expect someone to make a movie about. Exactly. But I'd like to find some more people like that, the obscure people that you don't really think about. And I'll give you my idea as long as I get an associate producer credit, because <laughs> no one wants to do it yet. But OJ Simpson is out there now. <laughs> you you want to follow yeah. him around for seven? I want. I do want to see someone follow him around for seven months. I want to see how the public treats that oh, guy. Jesus. Oh God! Yeah, they're already. Um, Gilbert always talks about who does the best Gilbert impression, mm-hmm. and he said that he doesn't know who does the best, but the most memorable is he has a vivid memory of OJ coming up to him at a party and doing Whoa. Gilbert wow. Gottfried. Oh, my <laughs> God! Wow! <laughs> oh, that's great. Well, man, thank you, thank you so much, Neil. Yeah, thank you for uh, watching the movie and all the kind words, and thanks for having me on the show. I really appreciate it. No, it's great. I was a fool to let you run the show. I've got new loose pals. Look out below. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you, everybody. I really love comedy documentaries. I cannot believe we haven't talked. I know we've talked briefly about these on other shows. I think we used one of Cheap Popcasts to talk about nothing but Andy Kaufman. <laughs> yes. But, uh, but I encourage you to check all those docs out. We'll try and link you to a few on latertimepodcast.com where this, uh, this post will live, this episode will live. Uh, we encourage you to leave your comments. Tell us the ones that you like, because oh. I love these things. If I haven't seen one and you know of one, let me know. Maybe also comment, like, who would you love to see a comedy documentary on? Yeah, holy yeah. shit. I want to know what Neil is planning. He was He's, he's yeah. got some big plans. Big plans. <laughs> like, yeah. Uh, but, yeah, thank you so much to Neil uh, Berkeley for that. And be sure to check out Gilbert. You can find more, uh, found out more about where it's screening on gilbertmovie.com. Mm. Uh, but it's definitely on iTunes, Amazon, and coming to Hulu on December 29th. We cannot recommend it enough. Yes, um, yeah, totally. But, Yes, we are. We've been Laser Time. We do the show every single Monday, everywhere you get your podcast. If there's a place we're not, you let us know. We'll put it there. You can find all our shit at lasertimepodcast.com. That includes uh, our streams that we do with Vidya Games, Vidya Game Apocalypse, a Friday video game show, 302010, an awesome pop culture rundown of what happened 3020 and 10 years ago in that week of uh, pop culture history and some light news. Um, and of course, bonus time, you heard a little bit of a clip in there. We should have. Those go up every single Tuesday exclusively for patrons. Patrons are the people who support us at mm-hmm. patreon.com slash laser time. We really appreciate people allowing us to do this for a living uh, for this long. Every little bit helps. No one's rich, uh, <laughs> but, we, but we're eating and we're Except paying Except for rents. Andy Kaufman. Except for Andy. <laughs> well, he's from Hollywood. He's from Hollywood. Um, he's got the rings. But yeah, and uh, I'm H-E-N-E-R-E-Y-G on Twitter. You can follow me there. I also have a Patreon where if you're a comedy nerd who like this, then you might also enjoy Talking, Talking Simpsons. Simpsons. I've been on the show. Yeah, it is a, It is a weekly show where you go through every episode of The Simpsons, one episode at a time. We are reaching the end of season six. It's with me, Chris Antista, and Bob Mackey. So good. It's been so great, and we get really deep into 
comedy nerdery there. And also on the Patreon, we have a ton of exclusives, including brand new. We interviewed the writer for The Simpsons and season nine through ten executive oh. producer Mike Scully. Wow. It was jealous. quite quite a thing. The only regret I have is I didn't ask him more questions about working for Yakov Smirnov. <laughs> my God, yeah, Where that's was how this? he got his start. Oh my God, he got his start in 1982. He was he was the old guy on the Simpsons staff like he's 10 years older than the you, you had all these like guys in their late 20s yeah. early 30s and then he's like late 30s early 40s like I have children and I didn't go to Harvard <laughs> like he he was a real it's it's a really interesting interview and he tells us some behind the scenes stuff on like why they killed Maude Flanders mm. and uh working on the Simpsons movie mm-hmm. tons of cool stuff well, thank you guys so much. Once again, if you want to hear more bonus time, we should have plenty of stuff up for you there on Tuesday. You can catch all the uh, every single episode we've ever done, as well as every single movie commentary we've ever done over there. We thank you guys so much. We'll see you next week. I'm pushing an elephant up the stairs. I'm tossing a punchline that would never.